Just when you thought the political exploitation of the unspeakable tragedy in Texas could not get any more shameful, Beto O'Rourke decided to crash a somber news conference by state officials in the small town in which the tragedy took place to turn the public mourning into a petty campaign stunt in his failing bid for governor. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. So sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. So sit down and don't play this is this what unsatisfied political ambition does to a man? Is this how hollow and inhuman it makes you? This man, Beto O'Rourke, travels to a community reeling from unspeakable horror and hijacks their mourning, their assembly to learn the facts of what happened into a cheap campaign stunt so that he could yell, this is on you, into the face of his political opponent. Did he explain how it was on him, how the shooting was Greg Abbott's fault? No. Did he explain what something he would have done instead? Do something, do something. Does he say what something that is? No. And that's not even the worst part. Did Beto help anyone in the room? Did he comfort anyone in the room? Did he ever consider, even for one second, the victims and their families and the community and their wishes? Did it ever occur to him that maybe the families and the local community didn't want to have their grieving hijacked and turned into a campaign stunt for a desperate politician? Do any of these people have even one scintilla of shame? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Steve Robson who says, me circa 2000, there's a small, powerful, rich cabal of people that rule the world and make all the decisions for us. Them circa 2000. Steve, that's a crazy conspiracy theory, and you sound like a crazy person. Me circa 2022, there's a small, powerful, rich cabal of people that rule the world and make all the decisions for us. Them circa 2022, a new study from the Fish and Wildlife Bureau suggests that they have seen a recent spike in homosexual frog activity. This is a very good point. If they don't want us to believe in crazy conspiracy theories, probably a good idea for them not to uh, keep conspiring. Probably a good idea for them not to show up to the World Economic Forum and have Klaus Schwab, the head of it, say, we are here, we are building the future. The future won't just happen. We are building it. We will con- collude together. We will co- cooperate together. If they, don't, if they don't want us to think they're conspiring, they should probably stop conspiring. When you want to protect not just your political community, but your home, you got to check out Ring. Right now, go to ring.com slash Knowles. The summer is coming up. Summer is always extremely busy. Everyone's away, traveling, on vacation. I'm going to be away from home for quite a bit, but I can rest easy because of Ring. That's right. The protection afforded by Ring Alarm is absolutely magnificent. Now, you might be thinking, Ring, Ring, you're talking about that video doorbell company? They've got an alarm? Well, yes, they do. They've got the great video doorbell. It's super cool. See and speak to whoever's at your door, wherever you are in the world. They've got the fabulous alarm. And now they've got the Ring Alarm Pro. 
which CNET calls a giant leap for home security. So with the Ring Alarm, you get to protect your, your windows, your doors from freeze, fire, flood, bad guys, everything. That's your physical home. Well, with Ring Alarm Pro, you protect your digital home as well. Your Wi-Fi, your data. We live so much of our lives online. Well, this summer, you can protect all of it with Ring's award-winning alarm. Go pro. Be a pro, just like me. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Everybody is making the tragedy in Texas about themselves. And not everybody. That's not fair. There are some people who are being respectful. There are a lot of people in public life, disproportionately on the left, just call it like we see it, who are making this about them and their interests and their agenda and their pet projects. Most notably yesterday, Barack Obama. Barack Obama usually can read the room. He's a radical guy and he's, he was a terrible president, and he's really bad for America. But usually he's at least a fairly able politician who can take the temperature of what's going on and, and calibrate his speech accordingly. But the guy was absolutely tone deaf yesterday when he tweeted out, this is so bizarre, I still don't quite understand the thought process. He says, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. In the aftermath of his murder, a new generation of activists rose up to channel their anguish into organized action, launching a movement to raise awareness of systemic racism and the need for criminal justice and police reform. Inspired by these young leaders, MBK Alliance launched a reimagining police pledge for mayors and cities ready to take action. If you're wondering how you can help make things a little better today, here are some ways to get involved. And then he posts a picture of Trayvon Martin. So it's not even... He, he says, hey, we're all thinking about Texas today, but don't think about my thing instead. Hey, we're all, listen, I know that this is what everyone's talking about because of how horrific it is, but that's not totally convenient for me. So think about George Floyd. Uh, sorry, never mind George Floyd, Trayvon Martin. Actually, sorry, never mind. Just do whatever I want. Me, 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 me. What, what is he saying? Who, d- does, does Barack Obama really believe that we have not talked enough about George Floyd. We, we spent two years talking about George Floyd. We spent two years largely hearing a completely misrepresented take on what happened to George Floyd and who George Floyd was and having much of the real story suppressed by the media and then having that fake story be the impetus for eight months of terrorism throughout the United States from coast to coast where BLM activists mostly peaceful, mostly peacefully burned the country down and burned multiple cities. And then high-ranking Democrat officials not only encouraged them to do this, but actually funded them, bailed them out of jail like Kamala Harris. But we haven't talked about him enough. And then somehow it's about Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, who was killed in an altercation with George Zimmerman, who's a Hispanic guy that the media lied and said was white because they wanted to turn it into a racial issue years ago, and they said that Trayvon Martin was just innocently going to buy Skittles and there was no altercation. And then uh, the evidence of George, uh, George Zimmerman been, being beaten up to a pulp contradicted a lot of that. And then that was a media circus for years that led to riots and led to all sorts of mayhem throughout the country. And then Barack Obama decided to pour fuel on the fire by saying Trayvon Martin looks like my son would have looked. If I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Just to pour fuel on that fire. Not for Trayvon Martin, not for George Floyd, certainly he, he's 
not showing any care whatsoever for this community in Texas. It's just about him, right? It's just about him. And any way that he can score a nice little political point, that's what he's going to do. Whoopi Goldberg is, is expressing the, the other view. So you've got, on the one hand, some activists who are exploiting the tragedy to push their own almost entirely disconnected political agenda. Then the, the other prominent reaction you're seeing is, is just anger directed at conservatives, anger directed at the right. But it's very vague anger. There, there aren't a lot of specifics here. It's anger at people who are offering thoughts and prayers. And they say, how dare you offer your thoughts and prayers? Why won't you do something? What are we doing? So that's the question. What are we doing? Because we're, we're, why are we always at square one with this? And I swear to God, if I see another Republican senator talk about their heart being broken, I'm going to go punch somebody. And, and thoughts and I, prayers. I can't take it in their thoughts and prayers. Yeah. If your thoughts and prayers were really with everybody, you'd have done something by now. It's not like anybody's not trying to make this happen. What the hell is going on? You'd have done something. You're, you're, this is what Beto O'Rourke was saying. This is on you. This is on you, Greg Abbott. You, you caused this. You do something. Do something. What do you propose we do? You notice Beto O'Rourke isn't making a whole lot of concrete proposals because he doesn't care at all. He's just, he thinks that he's going to look good on the cover of the newspaper, yelling and screaming. And if it, if it disturbs the people of this traumatized community, and if it interrupts their grief, and then he just walks out of there and moves on to the next campaign event, so what? He got, he got a really good picture, he thinks. I don't think it looks good at all. But he thinks he got a really good picture in the newspaper and on CNN. Whoopi Goldberg, do, do something. I'm going to punch someone in the face if I hear thoughts and prayers. Do something. What do you want to do? What do you propose we do? I, I told you yesterday on the show, I have no interest in debunking and owning the the political commentary of the gun control, of the talking points, of the boom, boom, more guns, less crime. I have no interest in doing any of that. I, I think it's a, I, I don't think that's the appropriate response in the immediate aftermath of, of a really unspeakable tragedy. But, but I do have to ask all of these people who are demagoguing the issue, what do you propose? Name me one, name me one. I was even trying to think, what could the proposals be? There have been a ton of gun control proposals in the last 20 years aimed at reducing mass shootings. Marco Rubio pointed out some years ago, now this was in 2015, he said, none of the major shootings that have occurred in this country over the last few months or years that have outraged us would gun laws have prevented them. This was an audacious, outrageous claim at the time. And then it was fact-checked by the Washington Post, about as liberal an outlet as there can be, and the Washington Post admitted he's right. The Washington Post admitted there is certainly a depressing chronicle of death and tragedy, but Rubio's statement stands up to scrutiny. It stands up to scrutiny. So there, none of those major laws that were proposed for gun control would have stopped the shooting. Now, maybe some people say, okay, ban AR-15s. The way this shooting went down, he could have used a handgun. This was not long range, high precision distance, a distance type of attack. This was very close up. A handgun would have done the same thing. So, are you, so now are we saying ban the handguns? Well, you've got a constitutional problem there. But frankly, even if you ban the handguns, is there any evidence that that's going to reduce rates of murder? That's not what happened in the UK. In the UK in 96 or 97, there was an attack on an elementary school in the UK. So they banned handguns. 
And not only did the murder rate not go down, it actually went up. It, it almost doubled. So, okay, that's probably not going to work. And then you're running up against, in any case, the constitutional problem. We have a Second Amendment that was inherited even before the beginning of our our country formally under the Constitution. We inherited that right from the English. So what are you going to do? You're going to repeal the Second Amendment? Good luck. Do, is there any political desire for that? No. Is it politically possible? No. So then what do you want to do? What are you proposing? I'm not, I'm not even saying I oppose all of these. I mean, I do. I, I don't think that we should upend all of our traditional civil rights. But, but even if even if I were going to go with you, what, what is the concrete thing when you're yelling and screaming and saying this is your fault and making a big spectacle of yourself and interrupting people's grief and standing on your high horse and, and trying to express sympathetic fury and outrage, what's your plan? You don't have any plan. So all you're doing is demagoguing and getting some nice pretty pictures in the newspaper and then doing not, you're doing less than nothing. It's, 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 it's much worse than nothing. Now, when you want to uh, protect your home, when you want to protect your family, strongly recommend you check out American Home Shield. Right now, go to ahs.com slash Knowles. Do you want peace of mind and to stay on a budget? Right now, with record high inflation and a really bad economy, you're probably going to want to protect yourself from unexpected expenses. That's why you've got to check out American Home Shield. I love American Home Shield. You know your budget, your time, and your sanity are all covered when you have got American Home Shield. You choose a plan from them. You keep your budget goals in check for 2022. They've got a choice of three great plans to help cover the cost of repair or replacement on parts of major home systems and appliances, no matter the age. If American Home Shield cannot repair the covered item, they will replace it. American Home Shield members get more, more coverage options, fewer exclusions. We're talking HVAC systems and plumbing to kitchen appliances. Their plans help to protect parts of up to 23 essential home systems and appliances. Electronics coverage is available for an unlimited number of eligible items. We're talking smartwatches, flat screen TVs, and more. Roof leak repair, pool and spa coverage. They've got everything, okay? Plus, they are offering an exclusive $50 off for listeners of The Michael Knowles Show. Do it. I have struggled with home repairs before. No longer, my friends, thanks to American Home Shield. Keep your home up and running, your budget on track with American Home Shield. Get $50 off their most comprehensive plans ever. AHS.com slash Knowles. Save 50 bucks. That's AHS.com slash Knowles for $50 off any plan. American Home Shield. Be sure with the Shield. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. All of the demagoguery that, that we are seeing right now on the, the shooting in Texas, the, the practical effect of it is going to be nothing because the, the people who are really demagoguing the issue don't have any concrete proposals. They know that the proposals that they've made in years past, they're the same old proposals. They don't stand up to scrutiny. They don't even stand up to scrutiny on the left. That's why they're not going to pass a law because there's no political support for it all. It runs up against constitutional problems and there's no evidence that it would solve any of these problems. So what do you do then? Well, you use it as an opportunity to push your own political agenda, a separate political agenda. That's what's really happening. That's what Obama's doing. Beto O'Rourke is too stupid. He, he's just as classless as the rest of them, but he's too stupid to realize that his strategy is not helping him politically. Barack Obama is slightly more politically sophisticated. Joe Biden even is, is more politically sophisticated. So Biden's doing the same thing Bom, uh, that Obama's doing. Joe Biden is making this about George Floyd. All the same sort of shameless posturing. 
As we've seen all too often, public trust is frayed and broken, and that undermines public safety. For the families here today and across the country who've had to ask why this nation, why so many black Americans wake up knowing they could lose their life in the course of just living their life today, simply jogging, shopping, sleeping at home, whether they made headlines or not, lost souls gone too soon. Members of Congress, including many here today, like Senator Cory Booker and Congressman Karen Bass, alongside members of the Congressional Black Caucus, House and Senate Judiciary Committees, spent countless hours on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act to find a better answer to that question. I sincerely thank you all for your tireless efforts. So hold on. You're you're insinuating that the grief from this tragedy reminds us, just like Obama did, it reminds us of George Floyd. And it reminds us that, let me check these notes, black people lose their lives at any moment. There, are, there is this epidemic around the country. They could be jogging, they could be sleeping at home, and they're all just getting gunned down and killed, right? Is that happening? I don't think that's happening. I don't think any of the statistics back that up whatsoever. And I, I don't, I don't even think that the people believe this is happening. I'm not even convinced that your guys believe this is happening, Joe, which is why you couldn't get the act through. It sounds there like he's signing some, some piece of legislation, some bill into law, right? But that's not true. He calls it the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act failed. He has complete control of the government and it failed. He couldn't get the votes for it. So instead, what Biden's doing here is signing an executive order an executive order that will do pretty much nothing. The executive order only applies at the federal level and it changes some, some rules about policing. But uh, as we've seen over the past two years, people don't want weaker policing. People want much stronger policing. People don't want crime throughout their communities. They don't want their communities to be burned down. They want people to be tougher on crime. They want our society to treat criminals more harshly, not continue to let them off the hook. So there's no political support for this whatsoever. So all it is is posturing. All we're, all we're seeing, especially from the Democrats, is vague insinuations that the other guys are bad and they're really good and they're going to do something and it's going to be, and it's important to do something rather than nothing. But what that something is, they just can't say because they've got nothing. They're not offering anything. So he just gets up there and regurgitates his word salad of, of uh, vague emotional appeals and then signs a completely toothless executive order. And then everybody moves on because of there's racism. Racist. The other guys are racist. They're bad. They're, they're, the, they're the bad guys who want bad things to happen. And we're the good guys, and we want to do something so that the good things happen. But what we do is not, we're not going to actually do anything in particular, but we're, that's, that's, what, we're in, that's what we're for. We, we support that in theory. Speaking of racism, the, the United, speaking of racism and doing nothing, the United Nations ha, is complaining now that coverage of the impending monkeypox pandemic is homophobic and racist. The UN's AIDS agency, UNAIDS, announced that the reporting on the monkeypox virus is irresponsible and it's undermining the response to the outbreak and it's racist and homophobic, according to UNAIDS Deputy Executive Director Matthew Cavanaugh. 
says, stigma and blame undermine trust and capacity to respond effectively during outbreaks like this one. Experience shows that stigmatizing rhetoric can quickly disable evidence-based response by stoking cycles of fear, driving people away from health services, impeding efforts to identify cases, and encouraging ineffective punitive measures. Of course, that is, that is not the case. Uh, what he's saying is, don't tell the truth about this virus because that if you tell the truth about this virus, people will be discouraged from going to gay orgies. Because the virus is largely spreading among gay men, and not even just any old gay men. We're talking about gay men who go and shtup dozens of people at bathhouses and orgies. That's where the public health officials believe this began, at a gay fetish party where everyone was shtuping each other, and at a gay bathhouse in Spain. But, but the UN doesn't want you to know that. But shouldn't they? If you're a gay guy who, for whatever reason, you're, you're going down, you've gone down a really bad path and you find yourself frequenting fetish orgies and bathhouses, wouldn't you like to know that, huh, I'm at risk of contracting this monkeypox virus, which in the extreme forms, the, the harsher forms of the virus, can kill 10% of people or possibly even more. Huh, maybe I'll avoid the orgies. Maybe I'll avoid the bathhouses. But no, you can't. You can't be told to avoid the orgies and the bathhouses. That would be homophobic. You, you had uh, medical analysts at Yale saying, don't let this turn you sex negative. Don't turn away from the orgies and the bathhouses. But of course you should. But, but if we say that, there might be stigma. People might feel stigma. Yes, that's good. Stigma is good. Stigma can be a very good thing. This, this UN AIDS agency says stigma can undermine public health efforts. No, no, no. Stigma can greatly help public health efforts. We want to stigmatize dangerous, disordered, unhealthy, bad behavior. Society, society used to stigmatize all that stuff and used to encourage all the good stuff and the healthy stuff. And we had a much healthier society back then. Now we've completely flipped it. Now normal, healthy, good behaviors are stigmatized. Starting family, getting married relatively young, working hard, having children, that's all been stigmatized. You, you are a pariah if you engage in ordinary, normal, traditional activities. And what is incentivized and encouraged is all this sort, sort of weirdness that has given us monkeypox. So we could use a little bit more stigma. If, if the UN just came out tomorrow and said, hey, all of this mumbo jumbo word salad that we're, we're sending around about the monkeypox, it boils down to this. Don't go to gay orgies and avoid vacationing in Zaire. If they just said that, because this is Zaire is largely where monkeypox has been spreading for the last 40, 50 years. If they just said that, you would probably greatly reduce the spread of monkeypox, but they're not going to do it. The, the UN and the public health authorities, which for the past two years have been as absolutely invasive and overbearing as they could possibly be. Don't hug your grandparents. Put a mask on your 16-month-old. Don't show up to Christmas. They've just gone every, in any way they can, they've invaded your life. Now, all of a sudden, that the issue is gay bathhouses, they say, oh, well, now listen, who are we to judge? Who are we to say what you do on your weekends? You're, you're the, I thought you were the public health authorities. I think you can tell people don't go to gay bathhouses. I, I think that's okay. I think you're allowed to say that. But it's very politically incorrect these days. In fact, the public authorities are incentivizing all those kinds of behaviors, not just at the United Nations, not just in Brussels. Right here in the U.S. of A, Arizona's Department of Education now has a new plan. 
uh, to encourage public health among young people, specifically sexual health among young people. They are proposing chat rooms for gay minors, so young people who have questions about their sexuality, to go into and to speak with adults. There are going to be adult moderators present, but specifically chat rooms that they can hide from their parents. What could go wrong? When you want to reach people the right way on the internet, you got to check out Constant Contact. Right now, go to constantcontact.com. I have worked with these guys for now, I want to say well over 10 years, probably more like 12 or 13 years. I've worked with Constant Contact when I was working on political campaigns with small businesses, nonprofit. Constant Contact is a digital marketing platform, helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. They've got email marketing, contact management, industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more. Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online, all from one easy-to-use platform. They have been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. They've got a 97% deliverability rate, so you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. They've got a very simple interface. Even I can use it, Constant Contacts platform makes contact management easier than ever. They've got these great list growth tools. It means you build a bigger audience fast, generation landing pages, text to join. It's just absolutely phenomenal with thousands of integrations. You can sync constant contacts tools with the tools you're already using. Powerful automation tools mean that you're going to get the message out every time. To start your free digital marketing trial today, go to constantcontact.com. Tomorrow, I am so pleased, once again, we will have the voice mailbag. I love the voice mailbag. This is brought to you by Pure Talk. They are allowing me to respond to you, not just with your written notes, but with your beautiful mellifluous voice as well. So head on over, go to dailywire.com, record your, your voicemail, your voice mailbag in your phone, save the file. You can record it on your computer. Go to dailywire.com, click the Michael Knowles Show, click down into the mailbag. It's going to pop up a little email. You just drop your audio file in there, send it in to me, and then I will hear your dulcet tones tomorrow. We'll be right back with a lot more. Arizona's Department of Education now links to chat rooms on its website for young people who are identifying as LGBTQ, LMNOP plus, to discuss sex and gender with adult moderators uh, without their parents knowing. The ADE directed minors to Q chat space and gender spectrum. Uh, those organizations rely on adult volunteers and staff to facilitate the minors talking about sex in these chat rooms without their parents' knowledge. There is no age verification for those joining the chats beyond just asking the people for a birth date. Uh, we reached out at the Daily Wire. We reached out to the Arizona Department of Education about these chat rooms. Uh, no one has responded to our inquiry. The online chat is so insidious, it has a quick escape function. So the Arizona Department of Education, just like old man Herbert and Family Guy, just like that, the creepy neighbor down the street who's leering at the kids, they say, hey, come on here. Are you, are you questioning sexuality, young people under the age of 18? Well, come into our chat rooms. Yes, they're run by 
adult volunteers. And uh, by the way, we don't verify anybody's age in here, young people. Yes, come on in. And by the way, if you're mean old nasty parents have a look at you, there's a quick escape button. So if daddy walks into the room and you don't want them to know that we, the government, are using his taxpayer dollars to encourage you to talk about sex with creepy, weird adults, strangers, just click that quick escape button. And then it'll disappear. Daddy will never see the minute he walks by. Then you can come back and talk about sex with us adults. Paid for on the taxpayer dime. Do you think this is a good idea? I don't think it's a good idea. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like they're kind of groomers. You remember a few weeks ago, there was this big controversy. How dare you call the teachers pushing gender theory in schools groomers? That's so unfair. That's what you heard from the left, and that's what you heard from the squishy right. That's unfair. That's undignified. Don't call them that. No, no. And you say, well, it's, it seems like kind of a slippery slope. It seems like a kind of an easily abused situation if a teacher is talking about sex to five and six-year-olds. No, no, that's wrong. We'll never slip down the slippery slope. Boom, here we are. And now we've got the Arizona government encouraging creepy weirdo adults to talk about sex to kids without the kids knowing, without the kids' parents knowing. No, I'm afraid. I think I'm at the bottom of the slippery slope, but I, deep down, I know I'm not. I know we're not. We keep thinking we've hit the bottom and we're going to slide so much further, aren't we? And, and when, when I say that right now, the, the liberals are going to say, Michael, you're crazy. You're a conspiracy theorist. No, no, it's not going to get any worse. Well, I don't, we've been slipping pretty fast, pretty far for a long time now. We're, we, we're already at the stage of taxpayer subsidized pervert adults talking to little kids about sex on government linked websites. How much further can we go? This is why it's so important for our legislatures to step up, not the administrative agencies, which are almost entirely unaccountable to the will of voters, voters who are generally a lot more normal and a a lot more closer to the common sense than these government bureaucrats. Uh, We need to assert our political vision and our reason and our logic and our, our will through the legislature. That's what Indiana just did. So the Indiana legislature, run by the Republicans, proposed a bill to ban dudes who pretend to be girls from competing in girls' sports. Really basic stuff, and we've seen this throughout the country in lots of different states. And unfortunately, the governor of Indiana, Eric Holcomb, vetoed the bill. Maybe Governor Holcomb had his reasons. I like Eric Holcomb personally. Actually, I've known Eric Holcomb for years and I like him personally. I don't know what he was thinking here. He, he was in the wrong to veto this bill. So what did the legislature do? Did they, did they throw up their hands and say, okay, that's that. Never mind. No, they overrode his veto. So Holcomb's argument was, in the two cases with initial rulings thus far, far the courts have enjoined or prohibited laws with the same substantive provisions from taking effect based on equal protection grounds. Okay, so that's just a way of saying, I think the courts are going to strike down this law because the courts are going to try to trans the kids. Then he also said there was a third concern, which is that the newly proposed law implies that the goals of consistency and fairness in competitive female sports are not currently being met. But after thorough review, I find no evidence to support either claim, even if I support the overall goal. Now, this this last part is crazy. Even Even if he might have a practical political point on the first part that the courts could strike it down, Again, I'm not, I wouldn't bet on that. I would, I would still certainly sign the law, even if that were my main concern. But this, this last point here is crazy. He's saying, look, there's no evidence that female sports 
are, are unfair right now. Look at the NCAA Women's Swimming Championship. Who won the prize? You've got a giant hulking dude with all of his giant hulking dude parts, pretty clearly visible in his silly women's bathing suit that he was wearing. He's got the gold medal. He's got prize number one. And then you've got these diminutive little girls next to him. They're obviously different. They're obviously at a disadvantage. So this seems to be just a complete denial of, of reality. Regardless, I'm not, I, I don't know. Whatever, whatever the thinking was in the governor's office, this is the right thing to do for the legislature to go in and say, look, you're our governor. You're our governor and we love you, but you're wrong on this issue and we're going to override you. Absolutely the right thing to do. And that, that's what, what conservatives should be doing around the country. When they meet pushback, whether it's because the Republicans are getting too many calls from worried corporations, whether it's because the governors are trying to find a middle ground on this issue of our boys' boys or our boys' girls. No middle ground to have. Whatever the reason, Republicans need to stand up and push back. This will be a political winner, I promise you. I promise you. It's not just the right thing to do. It's a political winner. They've said it for years. Get woke, go broke. The woke sexual standards are not popular. Just look at Old Navy. Look at what happened to Old Navy. Old Navy right now is taking a massive loss on its company. They're angering lots of customers. And why? It is being attributed to their all-inclusive sizing scheme. They, they've really bought into the body positivity movement. And now analysts expect the company to report net sales of $3.44 billion down from $3.99 billion in the same period last year. That's a major drop. And this, these bad numbers are going to trigger a management shakeup. What changed in the last year? Did the quality of their clothes drop? No, it didn't. But I, I knew this was going to happen one year ago. I was on the, the subway in New York. And I love, love taking the subway. And I especially love looking at the subway ads. And one of the ads was for Old Navy. And it was a bunch of big, fat, ugly people. I'm not, it's not even, I'm not even saying that big, fat people can't look good or dress nicely. But this, this ad was intentionally making people look grotesque. The point was to subvert standards of beauty. And they said, this is a revolution. Join the revolution. Something to that effect. Whatever the, the copy on the advertisement was, the key to it was, this is a, a revolution in beauty standards. No, it's not. I, I, just, I go to Old Navy so that I can buy sweatpants and a t-shirt. I don't go to Old Navy to engage in a political revolution. But that was their premise. And they set out to it and they lost a lot of money as a result. It tells you a couple things. One, it, it tells you that right now, it, this is not just the radical left pushing all this craziness. And it's a point that I, I've tried to make to the right on a number of occasions. Capitalism is pushing this stuff too. Capitalism is pushing the revolution. Everyone wants a revolution. The left is always pushing for social revolution in our sexual behaviors, in our traditions, in the way we relate to our country, in the way we relate to one another, in the way we relate to our own human nature, and we, we revolt even against our biology. But capitalism wants a revolution too. This is, this is creative destruction. This is the idea that we're just constantly going to be in extreme, intense competition with everybody and everything old is bad and we're going to innovate and we're going to renovate and we're going to get rid of all the old stuff and build bigger and bigger and cheaper and faster and plasticer and it's going to be better and better and bigger and you can get it for even less money. And so that, that language of revolution is always there too. This was always 
one of the real contradictions on the American right, especially during the 90s and the 2000s. Every GOP speech during the 90s and the 2000s, and, and even more recently, you, you get up there and you say, our culture is decaying, it's collapsing, it's being ripped apart at the seams. We need to support traditional standards and get back to our traditional way of life and support families and local communities and all of our traditions. That was the first part of the speech. Then the second part of the speech was, and we need creative destruction and we need to outsource everything and we need to, we need to upend whole communities. And if there's no more job in your community, you got to move across and you got to go work and you got to raise GDP and the girls have to go work and no one should stay at home and raise the kids and money, 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 greed is good. <laughs> you say, wait, what happened to the first part of your speech? No, no, that was just the first part where I just said a bunch of stuff to placate the social conservatives. But what I really want is revolution, baby. That's what we're doing. And there's always been this tension on the right. And it's especially become pronounced in the last 20 or 30 years. And what you are finally seeing, you've, you've seen the climax of revolution, 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 where all of the companies now are, are even supporting this revolution against not just your, your nation, not just your local community, not just old standards, but, but nature itself, a revolution against human biology and sexuality. And the people, I think, are getting sick of revolution. I don't think I'm reading too deeply into the Old Navy numbers, but even take Old Navy aside from it. The pushback against Disney right now, the pushback against State Farm, the pushback of the parents' movement. I think people, people can be swept away in the joy of revolution. You saw this in the French Revolution, the most famous revolution in modernity. People saying, gosh, it was this intoxicating time. To be young was very bliss during the time of the French Revolution. But as the French Revolution wore on and the terror came, and the absolute chaos and disorder came, people became disillusioned. They pushed back against it. You'll notice a lot of the young, prominent, romantic figures in the early days of the French Revolution who loved it so much, the ones who didn't die young, the ones who lived long enough, came to detest the French Revolution. They became much more conservative. They said, I'm done with the revolution. Th that is what you're seeing play out right now among ordinary people throughout the United States. People are tired of the revolutions. They're tired of subverted standards of beauty. They're tired of, of constantly hearing this talk of victimhood and the, the total absolute injustice of every aspect of society that we need to undo. Libs of TikTok, our great friends who have, who have exposed a lot of this, they have shown that apparently the victimhood pyramid does not merely exist in terms of race, you know, the, the, the darker you are, the more oppressed you are. It doesn't merely exist in terms of sex. You know, the gayer, transer you are, the more obscure your political or your sexual identity, the more oppressed you are. There are also gradations of victimhood within fatness. This is the fatness spectrum. A small fat is a size 18 and lower, 1X or 2X. I'm a 4X, 5X. I'm a size 26, sometimes 28. I am the super fat you say I'm speaking over. I am the super fat that you say I'm speaking over. So she's responding to someone on TikTok. And presumably the person on TikTok is saying, don't you dare speak over someone who is fatter than you. You shut up, you, because yes, you, you might be fat. You might identify as fat, but there's someone who's fatter. And so you need to shut up. And then this girl responds. She says, no, I'm super duper fat. I'm the fattest girl there ever was. So I'm, you shut up. 
I get to speak over you because I'm the really fat person. But you know what? There is going to be someone fatter than this lady. I promise you. I'd bet money on it. Go to some Pacific Island somewhere. Find some big Samoan fella. He will be fatter. Now, he might rank a little lower because he's a dude, but there will be a big fat Samoan lady and she's going to be bigger. There will, or I don't, maybe not, maybe not, not necessarily some Pacific Islander, but some, there is someone. There's always someone who is more of X, Y, and Z than you are. That's the end result of all the victimhood stuff, which is, by the way, why the left pushes it. Because if the premise is that victimhood confers virtue and only the virtuous should speak and the less virtuous should shut up and let the virtuous speak, but virtue we're now redefining in this totally perverted way to mean victimhood, then there's always going to be someone who is more victimized. So the, the end result of this is not merely white people shut up, men shut up, straight people shut up. The end result is everybody shut up. Everybody shut up except for the one single most oppressed person in the entire world. We're never going to find that person. So all of you, just, just to be safe, everyone shut up and let us do what we want. T- it ties right back in with that comment at the top of the show. The, the, the conspiracy theories, there are groups of people who are manipulating public opinion. Well, that's, that's what we're seeing. That is what the World Economic Forum is doing right now. That's what they're sitting there. They're saying, you are leaders of political communities. I am Klaus Schwab and you are leaders of communities. And we will lead. We will not let them make the history. We will make the history. We will, and we will, we will do it in the shadows, in Davos, Switzerland, and we will not let them have any say in it at all. You will just lead them, and they will all shut up. Nancy Pelosi is finally speaking out against her bishop, who has barred her from presenting herself for Holy Communion. And Nancy Pelosi has presented herself as a victim here. Speaking of victimhood, she has presented herself as a victim here. She's being unfairly targeted by the bishop who has the absolute audacity to do his job that that he is called upon to do to enforce the teachings of the Catholic Church for her own good. She says she's really the victim. What's so sad about it, and as you're speaking, I'm thinking of some of the discussions I've had with other members of Congress over time. And what is important for women to know and families to know that this is not just about terminating a pregnancy. So these same people are against contraception, family planning, in vitro fertilization. It's, it's, a, it's a blanket thing, and they use abortion as the front man for it while they try to undo so much. That's what they tried to do in the Affordable Care Act, which didn't have anything about terminating an abortion, a, a pregnancy. So so let's just say that, uh, I, you know, I wonder about death penalty, which I am opposed to. Mm. So is the church, but they take no action against people who may not share their view. Now, our archbishop, has been vehemently against LGBTQ rights too. In fact, he led the way in some of the initiatives on an initiative on the ballot in California. I'm going to give Nancy Pelosi the benefit of the doubt here and say she's just ignorant about what Catholicism is, and she might be. She says that the Archbishop he's very anti-LGBTQ because he opposed the redefinition of marriage, as though this were some radical thing. It is. 
essential Catholic teaching. The definition of marriage is essential non-negotiable Catholic teaching. All practicing Catholics, all people who believe in the Catholic faith and are practicing the Catholic faith, adhere to the definition of marriage, that marriage is between a man and a woman. The definition of marriage that Christ himself lays out in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew. Nancy Pelosi might disagree with that definition of marriage. It doesn't mean that the archbishop is the radical and she's the normal one. But furthermore, her her view is a refutation of the Catholic view. Her view is a rejection of the Catholic view. So she can say, well, and can you believe this archbishop believes the Catholic thing? Right. What you're saying is, I don't believe the Catholic. I, Nancy Pelosi, don't believe the Catholic view on this. Then she goes on. She says, you know, I'm against the death penalty. The church is against the death penalty, but they won't do anything about it. She, maybe she's just misunderstanding Catholic teaching here. The Catholic Church does not now and has never taught that, the, that capital punishment is intrinsically evil. The Catholic Church cannot teach that because capital punishment is defended in the Bible explicitly by St. Paul and, and, and by Christ, I think you could deduce and infer. But furthermore, it's always been defended throughout the history of the church as not being intrinsically evil. The great doctors of the church have defended it. In fact, popes have carried it out. Blessed Pope Pius IX carried out somewhere on the order of 500 executions in the papal states. Was he committing these intrinsically evil actions? No, no one would ever suggest that. Not even Pope Francis would suggest that. Pope Benedict, Francis's predecessor, put it very well when he said there can be a legitimate difference of opinion on the question of the death penalty among Catholics. Even John Paul II, who really started to turn the pastoral, practical Catholic teaching on the death penalty in the direction against the death penalty, he said that it was a prudential matter. He, he did not, it was, it was a cautious wording that, that Pope John Paul II used because he knows that the, the, he, he can't contradict 2,000 years of church teaching, which says that the death penalty is not intrinsically evil. Okay, and then the key to what she says is, she goes, these same people, or against contraception and IVF and this, that, and the other thing. These same people. By these same people, she means Catholics. Yes, Catholics are against those things. You're right. And you, Nancy Pelosi, are, in your own words, excluding yourself from that community. You're talking about contraception and IVF at, because you don't want to talk about abortion because you know that abortion is indefensible and abortion is a non-negotiable, un- unchanged and unchangeable teaching in the Catholic Church. But then you are yourself excluding yourself from the Catholic community. You're saying, there are the Catholics, there are those people, those same people who hold the Catholic views, and then there's me. Right, that's the bishop's point. The bishop's point is you are separating yourself from the Catholic church. He didn't separate you from the church. He didn't bar you from communion, exactly. You yourself did that. And the bishop, for your own good, is acknowledging that and saying, you've got to repent. I've got to lead my flock. I'm trying to lead you so that you don't, in the words of St. Paul, eat your own damnation if you present yourself for Holy Communion in a state of unrepentant grave mortal sin. But, but also, I'm protecting my flock because you are scandalous. You are creating scandal for them. And you're admitting, it's your words. He didn't make you say that. He didn't make you refer to those same people, the Catholics, and then me. Because Nancy Pelosi is torn between two religions. Or at least she's presenting herself as torn between two religions, Catholicism and leftism. I don't think she's really all that torn, though, because whenever they come into conflict, she chooses leftism. So that's her religion. Man cannot serve two masters. That's hers. Speaking of senior citizens, 
New York has a really creepy plan. I have to get to this before we go because it's so sad and spooky. The New York State Office for the Aging has just told The Verge, which is a tech website, that they have robots that they're going to give to senior citizens to make them less lonely. The robots are LEQ. That's built by this Israeli company called Intuition Robotics. They're going to distribute 800 of them to senior citizens across the state. And it's basically like a more advanced version of Google Home or Alexa. And they can make small talk too. You can chat with them. So if a senior citizen is lonely, you can chat with the robot and the senior citizen can pretend it's a human being. Not be visited by family members, not be visited by the local community. No, 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 just talk to a robot alone in their home. And uh, once they give these out and test it out, uh, they're going to start selling them to people. There's a $250 enrollment fee, and then there's a $30 a month service charge to maintain a subscription, all to combat loneliness. Maybe people's hearts are in the right place here. I'm not, I'm not sure either way. All I know is this is not going to work. And this is one of the problems this is one of the problems of our society, of the leftism of our society that has isolated us all from one another and that has pretended that we're all just individuals floating in the ether who have no natural connections to one another. And to, to such a point that, that they defend the right, the right, quote unquote, of a mother to kill her own child. That's how little loyalty or connection or obligation we have to one another, according to them. But it's also, it's also a problem of capitalism where everything has to be capitalized. Everything has to be monetized. Everything has to be about GDP. Andrew Yang, when he was running for president, he complained. He said, my wife doesn't get a paycheck for all the work she does. Why does she need a paycheck? She's your wife. She has a home. She has a family. She, why, why, did, why does she need to get a paycheck? Why are we living in a society right now where people are forced, where women have to go, instead of working for her family, where women have to go work for some other guy so the other guy can pay her so that she and her husband can pay some other woman to raise the child that neither of them have time to raise, uh, so they send the kid to daycare or to the babysitter. The babysitter might have her own kid. So the babysitter will either have to do exactly the same thing or rely on grandma and grandpa to watch the kid. Well, why, why does everything have to be commoditized and monetized and capitalized? Why Even loneliness, even community, even small talk with someone. It all has to be about the subscription model. It all has to be about just buying the latest gizmo. How about you just go visit your neighbors? How about we have community? How about, how about, but this is of course the issue that we're talking, and ties in with all of the issues we're talking about today, by the way, the loneliness, the isolation, the radicalization. It's not, it is, it is primarily being driven by the left. I don't want to say it's, well, it's just kind of both sides, but it's a, it's a really deep structural issue. It's, if, if you don't believe that something has gone really wrong with society, just look at the old people that we have completely cast away and sent little robots in, in our place for, for a fee to go make them feel less lonely and discarded. That's a sick society. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. 
Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Beto O'Rourke crashes a press conference by Texas Governor Greg Abbott to posture on gun control. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer refuses to hold any vote on legislation. And we examine the mass shooter's copious red flags. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listen. 